Hello and welcome into Brewcast from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Yardy, joined by Scotty White here with you Monday, December 13th, as we head into Tuesday, December 14th. And we've got a little bit to talk about here. You know, there's a bit of a lull, obviously, in the football season, but we did come off the Heisman ceremony. Aiden Hutchinson finishing rather high. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Michigan basketball struggling a little bit as well. So let's get on into it scotty white what's going on buddy how you doing doing great um yeah it's it's definitely weird not having a football game to talk about um but uh yeah we do got uh to touch on aiden hutchinson coming in second place um and yeah i'm excited to, to talk about michigan basketball too um i have not been excited to watch them because they haven't looked great which has been surprising um, but i'm definitely interested to, to hear your perspective on things for sure. So let's start uh, with the Heisman ceremony on Saturday uh, and Aiden Hutchinson. Obviously, Bryce Young ran away with the award quarterback for Alabama. I think everyone expected him to win. However, uh, even though he did run away, Aiden Hutchinson coming in second, second most or, uh, first place votes to Bryce Young. And while he didn't really threaten Bryce Young to win the award, the fact that he did finish second, I believe the highest de- uh, defensive player finished since Charles Woodson took it home in 1997, man, I, I thought that was pretty cool to see like we knew the entire thing was it was it was for Bryce Young obviously Bryce Young was gonna run away with this award but to see Aiden finish second man I I felt good about it I think it was really cool that he even got as many first place votes as he did how about you how did you feel about it yeah I thought that was awesome I was um I I I thought Aiden Hutchinson definitely um was the the most influential player in uh in college football this year had the most impact on the games um so it wasn't too surprised to see him up a second um but yeah it's it's crazy to think i mean um bryce young i think going into this uh especially after his performance against georgia the the drive against auburn to tie the game uh, i think everybody knew he was going to win but it, it is crazy to think if maybe they had lost that auburn game um, or if Georgia played a little bit better on defense against them, uh, that could have been Aiden Hutchinson's Heisman to win. Yeah, so let me ask. I, I do want to ask you about that as well, because what if Tank Bigsby just stays in bounds in the right. Iron Bowl <laughs> if he doesn't run out of bounds, you know, and Bryce Young doesn't get to have the performance against Georgia in the number one defense that he did? Are we talking about Aiden Hutchinson taking the, home the Heisman? Does it shake out a little bit differently? I don't know that you could have gave it to C.J. Stroud in that scenario. Uh, do they still give it to Bryce Young? Uh, is, is it just a little bit closer? Uh, these are a couple of things that, you know, I, I've considered. I do think Aiden would have had a great shot to win the Heisman if Bigsby yeah. does just stay in bounds. I'm not 100% sold that it still wouldn't have been Bryce Young given the body of work that he had here this year but it would have been a lot closer for sure yeah definitely um yeah it's tough because he he did uh win by a pretty wide margin um but things definitely would have been closer if they had lost that game to Auburn um and and another thing that I look at too I I I agree with you I don't really think that they could have given it to Stroud after Aiden Hutchinson's performance against Ohio State you know getting his team the Big Ten championship um but I like to to think about this play in the Ohio State game. This would have been an insane Heisman moment for Hutch. I think it was a fourth down for Ohio State uh, in the fourth quarter that they scored a touchdown on, and it was a little pass that went right over Hutchinson's hand. And I just imagine if he had been a couple a couple inches taller, gotten a pick on that, and returned it, that would have been that would have been something insane. 
For sure, man. And I wonder even for like the stat watchers out there, what if the touchdown against Michigan State doesn't get turned over, you know? Yeah, like just a few of the plays, man. If, if we look at it from a perspective of what the award is supposed to be, the most outstanding player in college football, I'm not convinced Bryce Young was the most outstanding player for Alabama here this year. I actually think yeah. it was Will Anderson, you know, and I think Will Anderson very much had a case to be a Heisman finalist as well. But, you know, I, I don't think anyone, I think you mentioned it, man, I don't know if anyone had more of an impact every yeah. single game than Aiden Hutchinson did. Yeah, exactly. And that, that to me is just what made him so special. And, uh, and that's the type of player that I would want to have on my favorite college football team. Um, but I mean, can't deny that Bryce Young, you know, he's deserving. He's had an incredible season. Um, and you know, they're still in the, in the playoffs. So he has even more to, to prove now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely happy for Hutch getting that second place. I think that that's awesome. And look at the end of the day, man, it's, there is bias towards the quarterback position. You know, like it's it's always going to be that way. It is, and more so with the NFL MVP, I get it, because the quarterback position is far and away the most valuable position in all of sports. There's no denying that. But this is not an MVP award. It's a most outstanding football player award. And when it comes to that, I think Aiden Hutchinson has a really strong case and had a really strong case. Yeah, it definitely shows the the type of bias. There's, like you said, it's mostly outstanding football player. We're not talking about off specifically offense or defense, and it just you rarely see these defensive players going to the Heisman or to yeah to the Heisman ceremony. And oftentimes, some of the the best football players in the league or in college are defensive players, and they just don't get the same type of love. For sure, man. Uh, and quite honestly, for Aiden Hutchinson to finish second. Like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a win, you know, in my book, yeah. in that sense, knowing that it's so QB, you know, geared toward. So uh, obviously he doesn't take home the Heisman, but to see him finish second was, was pretty cool knowing that if it wasn't geared so much towards quarterbacks, everyone kind of knew how oh, yeah. impactful and how outstanding Aiden Hutchinson has been this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, and, 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 it's so much more impressive too. And to see that he beat out two other quarterbacks that were there. Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised. Like I, I thought he should have finished first, but I didn't think that he was going to be the one that finished second. So I was surprised and really happy to see that he was above the two other quarterbacks there. Well, he's got a chance to, you know, hopefully on January 11th, go show the world that, you know, that he should have won it over the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, They got to get through a pretty tough Georgia team to get there. And we'll talk about that, obviously, in a couple of weeks here on Brewcast as we lead up to New Year's Eve. But uh, just a huge congratulations to Aiden Hutchinson. What a leader. What a season, man. What a career at the University of Michigan. Yeah, could not be more happy for him. And you see him, he's a first-team All-American today, a lot trophy winner, still mm-hmm. bringing in all types of awards. Couldn't be more happy for him. Um, and I cannot wait to see what he's got in store for us uh, in the college football playoff. And isn't it kind of crazy that he wasn't even a Bednarik Award finalist? I do not understand that at all the dude is finishes second place in the heisman voting as the heisman but and and they don't pick him up for that that was absolutely shocking to me yeah just just crazy and it goes to show well i guess everyone's got you know a a different of a different opinion and if you're looking at just counting stats i understand but if you're looking at just counting stats for you know defensive guys probably you know not the not the best look on your part you know 
yeah definitely yeah i don't i don't know uh how that happened um but like but a little bit of a disgrace he uh he definitely should have should have won the award and maybe put a little chip on his shoulder moving forward you know yeah definitely yeah all of that i just i can't wait to see him in the college ball playoff man that's gonna be so fun so from uh having fun discussion there uh, about aiden hutchinson (laughs) to what's gonna turn into a not so fun discussion as we switch gears and take a look at Michigan basketball here uh Saturday I'm not gonna lie to you Scotty the 75-65 loss at home to Minnesota was one of the worst losses that I've seen not only since Juwan Howard took over but since John Beeline really got the program up and running man yeah that was bad I mean 14 point favorites at home and to lose by double digits to Minnesota, who is Minnesota has one loss this year, but if you look at their schedule, you'd see why. And really the only other good team that they played is uh, Michigan state and they got rolled at home. Um, so yeah, that game definitely, I, I thought after maybe the Nebraska game, Michigan was starting to turn a corner, but that, that game showed there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota was 69th uh, in Ken Palm coming yeah, into the, coming into the game. Or, or that are 69th right now. And, and like you said, 8-1, and one, but that schedule is just absolutely brutal for Minnesota. And they only have one returning scholarship player, Scotty. Yeah. It's, oh, it was it was bad. Like, it's not quite losing to NJIT bad, but this is a Big Ten game at home against a team that you should win, and you can't just give yeah. away Big Ten games, especially with the strength of the conference here this year. Yeah, I mean, home games against... Bottom, like Minnesota's a bottom tier Big Ten team. Home games against those kind of teams, if they're losing those, it's it is not gonna be a fun season because you know how tough things get on the road in the Big Ten. And here's the issue with Michigan is I feel like it's not even necessarily all fixable. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because right. look, they had a good couple of games against San Diego State and um Nebraska. And, hey, they shot the ball well in those games. And if Michigan can shoot the ball well, they're a tough team to beat. Yeah. But they're not going to be able to shoot the ball well consistently this year because they don't have enough shooters out there. I think Eli Brooks and Caleb Houston are probably the only two consistently pure shooters that you've got on the entire roster. Terrence Williams showed that he could shoot the ball a little bit against Nebraska, but he only played six minutes against Minnesota coming off the the big game. Brandon Johns had a big game against Nebraska, plays just 13 minutes against Minnesota. And and I don't really know what for because no one else was really giving you a whole lot out there. You know what I'm saying? Not even defensively. And and I know Terrence Williams, he he had a a couple of bad, you know, defensive possessions. He had two fouls, gave up a bucket, but you got to go out there and maybe give him some more minutes especially he's got to be feeling confident coming off that Nebraska win yeah definitely I was really surprised to see that the playing times for them as well and and yeah it's the defense too I mean they were talking after the um I think it was I can't can't quite remember who they were playing right now um but the it was the last home game before Minnesota San Diego uh, State San Diego State Yeah, yeah yeah thank you um and so, uh, yeah, I was in the, the press conference after the game and they were all kind of saying like, yeah, like we want to pride ourselves on defense, you know, kind of have that one be one of our best aspects of the game. And that's going to have to be huge for them this year with with the lack of shooting. I mean, last year, it kind of seemed like Michigan had the perfect recipe. You know, if Hunter Dickinson's not getting double teamed, you give you give the ball down to him. 
um, and he goes to work. And if he is getting double teamed, every other guy on the floor is a shooter. And it seemed like every game, you know, Michigan would – and Michigan was consistently shooting well last year. I mean, they had those games against Wisconsin where it's the, the 40-0 run, you know, that crazy one where it just seemed like they wouldn't miss anything. Right. Um, but clearly, yeah, the, the shooters aren't as present there this year. I mean, Hunter Dickinson right now has the best three-point shooting percentage on the team, which is something that uh, if you told me a month ago, I would think you were crazy. Yeah, you think about it, and you had last year, obviously, Isaiah Livers, I mean, before he got here, he was almost a 50% three-point shooter. He he was one of the best of the Big Ten, if not the best of the Big Ten. Franz, I think he was between, you know, 35 and 40-plus last year. Mike Smith could shoot it. Shondi seemed like he could be automatic if he was left open, particularly from the corners. And this year, with the lack, and then obviously Eli Brooks last year as well, with, with the lack of that this year, there's no spacing on this team. And particularly, I think, so I don't know if this is too hot takey or anything like that, but I think Musa Diabate and I think Hunter Dickinson play too many minutes on the floor here together, uh, yeah. particularly with that lack of shooting. That When those guys are on the court together, you, there's a noticeable lack of spacing. And, you know, Musa being out against Nebraska highlighted that. Michigan had to play with a little more spacing. They got more open looks. I think there has to, to be – like, they can play together, but if – the majority of the time they're playing together, I think it's a hindrance to Michigan's uh, offense. And I don't even know how much better they are defensively when those two are on the court here together. I mean, they gave up 75 to Minnesota. They could stop Jamison Battle at, at all. And I don't know. It just feels like they're not doing the little things defensively either. I think that is, that's almost yeah. more disappointing to me, Scotty, is the, the lack of defense on this team currently uh 25th Ken Palm after starting the year either I think first or second uh in adjusted defense and they just uh, they can't get stops consistently they're not I I I don't know if they're not working hard enough I don't know if they're not good enough defensively but that's what they that's what this team and we saw it in the San Diego State game they can be a good defensive unit when they want to be, there just seems to be a lack of willpower right now defensively on this Michigan team because at the end of the day, it's a mindset. They're young. They're still learning. Maybe they're not confident, but it's it's at times a mess right now, and we saw that in the second half uh, against Minnesota with, with the way Minnesota was able to go out in the second half and absolutely take it to Michigan, scoring 43 points in that second half. Yeah, that the, the lack of – or the – defensive inconsistencies are concerning. I mean, you, you look back at the uh, national championship run in 2018, but for, with the exception of the Texas A&M game, Michigan did not shoot the ball well in that tournament. And their defense was just so good and willed them to a championship. And, and I, I think that's going to be the kind of defense Michigan needs this year. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, San Diego State in that half, uh, or that whole game, the defense looked really, really good. Uh, the offense looked great against Nebraska. And I noticed the same thing. I was concerned going into that game with Diabate being out. And then, yeah, like you said, so many open looks. Granted, Nebraska is not the best team, but that was – I mean, when you score over 100 points on the road in a Big Ten game, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. Like, that's impressive. Um, the You know, a lot of open shots. People were knocking them down. It was great to see. But then they just take a step back on Saturday – um so you know we see we see the flashes we know that the talent is there uh they just got to put it all together and and become more consistent 
And I think going back to, to Shondi Brown too, I, he, he was so valuable to that team last year. I mean, he was an immediate spark every single game coming off the bench. And that's such a crucial kind of player to have on the team, you know? And they don't have that. You know, you, yeah, you expect a guy you expect a guy like Terrence Williams to be that. And at times he has been, to his credit, but but he's yeah. inconsistent with it. You know, Shondi, right. at the end of the day, he was a defense first guy. He was gonna give you that energy defensively. Mm-hmm. And when when a guy comes off the bench and does that, it really does lift everyone up. And I think Eli Brooks kind of alluded to it. You know, I think he, he kind of, you know, was was calling out the freshman a little bit when he was talking. He said, it's it's not high school basketball. The Big Ten is a physical game. He wants to see the defense get a little more physical, have a little more yeah. fire, have a little more fight. And that's exactly what they're they're missing right now because we, we see Michigan get out into transition and they're fantastic when they mm-hmm. do it. But when they don't, man, I mean, they rank... 249th in adjusted uh, tempo possessions per 40 minutes, according to Ken Palm. 67 possessions. I, I mean, they, they don't play with pace because they, they're not moving the ball. There's no spacing. Shot clock is is getting down. They're having to, uh, being forced to take contested shots or, or feed it into Hunter Dickinson where they can collapse and there's nowhere really to throw it because there's not a good enough spacing. You, you get bad shots, and when you get open shots like they did in the Minnesota game, you can't hit them either because you don't really have any shooters out there. You know, I think Caleb Houston needs to be a little more consistent. He was one for four uh, from deep in that game. Eli Brooks was just two. Two of seven, but uh, Devontae Jones, man, he's not hitting a three. He, that that wasn't what he was when he came to the Michigan program. He was a guy that was going to play hard-nosed defense, get steals, get layups, get penetration. But even when he gets penetration, who's he throwing it to on the perimeter? You know, there, there's uh, it's it's a kind of a mess right now, and the whole roster build is kind of a mess right now. Like they had the number one recruiting class you know, in the country because of how these guys were rated. And we we had that idea coming into this year, like, oh, Hunter Dickinson and the number one recruiting class in the country and the Sunbelt Player of the Year coming over, you know. And all we didn't really stop to think how they would all mesh together, how the roster complemented each other. And right now, through 10 games, sitting at 6-4, and four, they don't really complement each other. They don't. That is one of the things that it's pretty clear to see, especially on offense. They really they, they don't complement each other. And and that is very different from from these past Michigan teams that we've seen that have had so much success. Um, and yeah, I mean, going back to the, the inconsistencies, um, like you said, with with Terrence Williams, I mean, that that's the most important thing of of having a successful team is being consistent. Um, just not knowing, you know, and, and for us watching the game, it's, it's very, very, uh, very tough. You never know what to expect right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, we, everybody was expecting Hunter Dickinson coming back, Eli Brooks coming back with this number one class. Um, everybody was expecting huge things. And I think if someone had told me that, um, Michigan basketball and football there'd be one ranked number two and one be unranked in December you told me that earlier in the year I I would have thought that the rules would be reversed here yeah uh, certainly you know there's a lot of jokes being made about uh, sacrificing basketball for the uh, football (laughs) season here this year and I I don't know man the universe isn't allowing us to have too many nice things all at once you know hockey uh, is still doing well at Michigan though college hockey is a little weird too we won't get too much into it where I feel like teams can get beat on every night you know I I live I I live in Marquette Uh, on my local show we cover northern Michigan hockey last week man they they swept the number one team in the country at the time Minnesota 
Duluth then this weekend got ran off the ice by Lake Superior State. So college hockey is its own animal uh, in that regard, man. So M- Michigan taking some L's on the ice, you know, not not nearly as concerning, I feel like. Definitely not. I mean, Michigan this week, they're playing against Ohio State, and they've got like two or three guys, I think, two or three of their best players out uh, at like Canadian Nationals, I believe it is. And then they've got um, more people even, I think, in a couple weeks, they'll miss like the GLI and a couple other weeks. Um, but can you imagine like Aiden Hutchinson or something like leaves to go to right? Hockey's so weird, man. Football? Yeah, it's, it's just so different. It, there, uh, there's so many levels that I don't understand. Like yeah. I, I didn't grow up around the sport really, and it is to the amount of levels that guys play at in, in different things, man. It's it's mind boggling to me. I've tried to understand it before, and I, I literally just can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, it's, everything about it is is much different than the uh, than the other college sports, um, but. It's still, yeah, Michigan uh, definitely, definitely having a uh, good hockey season. They'll be a good team this year. So getting back to uh, basketball a little bit, another thing that at the end of the day, Devontae Jones showed a little bit of flash at it at times during. He had a pretty good run against Minnesota, but there isn't really a guy on this team, Scotty, like last year, Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner were these guys. There really isn't a guy that when the offense breaks down, can just go get you a bucket. He can right. beat his man, he can get to the rack, or he can hit a pull-up jumper or a tough pull-up jumper in someone's face. There's, I, I don't think there's a guy right now that can really do it. I think Caleb Houston could be a guy that does it if he becomes a little more consistent, though I don't know if his first step is necessarily quick enough to consistently beat his man off the dribble. There, There isn't a guy that can do that here this year, and, and sometimes in basketball you just need a guy that can go get you a bucket, and it doesn't have to be manufactured through running th- running through the offense. Yeah, that is such a crucial crucial key to a, to a good team, and you're right. We, they just don't have it this year. Um, I think – Mike Smith last year was so underrated. I mean, he mm-hmm. had such a quick step and could get around his defender and get to the hoop. Um, I I think that uh, we kind of we took it we took his uh, scoring ability for granted. Like you said earlier, he's a good three point shooter too. Um, and Devonte Jones just just doesn't seem to to quite have that scoring element and that and that quickness too that Mike Smith had. Someone I think a guy that maybe could get there as well as a guy like Frankie Collins because that dude's first step is unreal fast and he's a great facilitator but I'd love to see Frankie get to the rack a little bit more hit a couple pull-up jumpers you know set a guy up with a little hezzy and pull up and hit a three if he can add that to this game I think this Michigan team could go places because that opens up an entire new element to the offense we just haven't quite seen it yet though he runs the offense very well he can get penetration but he's always looking to kick it seems like yeah definitely I think yeah he really could be that guy for Michigan I mean you it was really cool seeing it against San Diego State being inside Chrysler because the fans were just so fired up when he came in. He gets immediately a really nice driving layup and then gets a steal and a dunk. I mean, he had an immediate impact on offense and defense. I think that he, by the end of the season, and probably pretty soon, is going to be the guy. At, uh, at point guard. I, th- I think he would have to be, you know, and, and I can't imagine Jawan is going to be a guy who's too stubborn. You know what I'm no. saying? Like, if, yeah. if it's not working at, at, at a certain point, you got this, all these talented freshmen, all these top 50 guys, sometimes you might have to let them go play. You know what I'm saying? Like, turn over the yeah. reins to those guys and maybe, you know, get Hunter Dickinson in better spacing situations and things like that. I, but to me, it's still the, the biggest key for me 
is going to be figuring out the rotations and how to handle Diabate and Hunter Dickinson. Because Dickinson played 34 minutes, Diabate played 32 minutes against Minnesota, meaning a majority of the time they were out there on the floor together and the offense at times gets super stagnant. When it's like that, it's a lot of just throw it into Hunter and either let him go one-on-one or wait for the collapse, and then they move it around. But Diabate's on the other block, and, you know, he, he hit a couple of threes uh, in one of, in the North Carolina game, looked pretty good, but I don't know if he's going to be able to hit that shot consistently. Right. Uh, you got to figure out a better rotation with those guys. Maybe a, maybe a Dickinson-Davis situation. You know, I, I right. think obviously yeah. Diabate is a much more talented player than Austin Davis and probably deserves more minutes uh, than Austin Davis had because especially rebounding, Diabate is unreal at it. But oh, yeah. if the offense continues to struggle, it just doesn't matter and they're just not getting enough stops. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough thing to have when you have two players that are that are so talented like that, but when they're on the floor together, kind of kind of don't gel well. Um, so yeah, it is a tough issue because they both do deserve a ton of minutes. But I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, if if, if it's not working, then it's not working. You got to do something to change it. And I think that this I mean this next stretch is is crucial for Michigan. Um, oh yeah, I mean, they've got Southern Utah, Purdue, Fort Wayne. And then the, the, the road game against UCF, that, that will be a, a tough game. I think that actually really works out well for Michigan because two tune-up games, or at least I hope they're tune-up games, against Southern Utah and Purdue Fort Wayne. So got to figure a lot of stuff out in those two games. And then you still get a good tough game on the road right before you get back into the Big Ten play to get you ready for that um, before going on the road against Rutgers on January 4th. So they've still got a few weeks before they get back into the thick of Big Ten play. And after that, it gets real tough. So I I hope that they can get it figured out in this stretch. Man, but that's the thing too, right, is they had a nice top 50 win against San Diego State, went on the road, and absolutely ran Nebraska off the court. And you're like, man, Michigan's finally putting it together. You know what I'm saying? And then they got out to an early lead against Minnesota, and then boom, you know, the the second half happens and everything, all the goodwill, all, all the work seems to have just been wiped away. So... Even if even if it feels you know against Southern Utah Purdue Fort Wayne that they've turned a corner, I I'm I'm just not sure they're ever right. going to hit that point here this year. I, I need to see it more consistently, and and oh, I yeah. just don't know if all these pieces necessarily mesh together. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, it's going to take even yeah, even if Michigan looks great these next three games, even if they look great against Rutgers, I mean that would be four straight really nice performances, and then Michigan State comes to town. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be convinced um, of anything seriously being changed unless Michigan can pull out something like they did against like um, San Diego State or Nebraska against a team like Michigan State or Purdue or Illinois. Any of those teams, I believe they have all three of them in a row um, after the, the first big time game against Rutgers. So, yeah, they've I mean, got yeah. they've got Michigan State at home. Purdue at home on the road to Illinois. I mean, that is just a and, – and, well, and right before that, they have to go play at the rack in right. Rutgers. Like, Rutgers I just mean, knocked they, off they, Purdue they, there. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, all I mean oh, Michigan Michigan could theoretically – you there. there's definitely a one-in-five start to Big Ten play in play here. Oh, 100%. It, it really – I mean, you look at the Big Ten schedule – I mean, if they're not winning at home against Minnesota, I mean, those are those are supposed to be the easy ones. So, I mean, it, if they don't get things figured out, like I said, it's, it's going to be a long Big Ten season. I, th- I think it could be, and hey, we'll see. Maybe they can get it turned around. We know there's a ton of talent. Oh, yeah, It's, it's just, just all about meshing together. So, 
We'll see what happens. Hopefully, like you said, they can get right against Southern Utah, Purdue, Fort Wayne, maybe figure a, a couple of things out before uh, they get into Big Ten play. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's about going to do it for us here on Brewcast here tonight. Uh, Scotty, I'll let you let the listeners know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, you guys can give me a follow on Twitter at Scotty White underscore. Um, still got a little bit of work left to do on the football season over at Mason Brew. Uh, and I'm also covering the basketball team, so um, I'll be at all of their home games and writing articles, tweeting about that, so you guys can give me a follow there on Twitter, at Scotty White underscore. You can follow me on Twitter, at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. And if you're a fan of the show, follow the Brewcast Show page, at Brewcast Show on Twitter, giving you updates about the show and a couple of tweets uh, here and there, tweeting out the show in case you miss it as well uh, anytime in the future. But you don't have to ever miss it. Just subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, leave a review. We appreciate all the feedback uh, as well. Make sure to subscribe to the Maze Brew YouTube channel as well because we will be going back to some live shows coming up here uh, as we get closer to the Michigan-Georgia College Football Playoff Semifinal. That's going to do it for us on Brewcast here this week. Appreciate you listening here. And again, subscribe, rate, leave a review. We will appreciate it. For Scotty White, I am Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.